Welcome to Ecosystems for Change, where we co-author the playbook on transforming communities by amplifying the impact of changemakers around us. Whether you are an entrepreneur or otherwise changemaker yourself, a citizen who loves their community with a passion and wants to see it thrive, whether you are a mentor, investor, support organization, advisor, philanthropic funder, economic developer, or policymaker, Learn the practical tools and proven tactics of ecosystem builders from all around the world to better support the dreamers, doers, tinkerers, and makers in your community by taking a systems approach to social change. I'm your host, Annika Horn. Every time someone tells me they're going to Richmond, Virginia, I straight away send them to Carytown. I always recommend they start their trip at Sugar and Twine for a freshly baked blackberry biscuit and some hot, strong coffee. Even if you have to stand in line for it, trust me, it's worth it. From there, you can head over to Chop Soy Books for an excellent selection of the latest releases as well as a wide variety of secondhand books upstairs. And from there, Carytown is your oyster. Just walk down the bustling sidewalks for some indie boutiques, record stores, craft cocktail bars, and some of the finest secondhand shopping that I've seen in the U.S. Another way to describe Carytown is that it's a neighborhood in Richmond, Virginia, south of the Museum of Fine Arts, a mile long with shops and local restaurants. Which of these descriptions make you really want to go to Richmond, Virginia and explore Carytown? The first one, a rich description with a bit of a story to it, or the second one that just has the facts? Welcome to Summer Skills Session number three, in which we will talk about storytelling. I'm so glad you're here. Personally, I came to storytelling from a love of local businesses and their owners in, you guessed it, Richmond, Virginia. First, I love their products, from said biscuits to t-shirt company to local moonshine. Shout out to Bella Moonshine. And once I got to know these businesses' owners, I wanted to shout their stories from the rooftops. I wanted the whole world, or, you know at least the people in my city, to know about them and spend their dollars there. These startups and small businesses made me proud of my community. So I told their stories in every way I could. I posted about them on social media. I told my friends about it. I wrote blog posts and articles. I was celebrating these small businesses in every possible way I could. I never called it storytelling. It was just something I did. So let this be the first rule of storytelling and ecosystem building. It doesn't have to be hard. If you tell your friends about your favorite local businesses or you post about them on social media, you are already telling their stories. You're just not thinking about it that way. In today's summer skill session, I want to introduce you to my five-step approach to telling meaningful stories about your ecosystem. Let's dive right in. Step number one, your objective. What are you hoping to achieve by telling the stories of the changemakers and entrepreneurs in your community? Are you simply trying to highlight small and local businesses? Cool. I recently found this Instagram account called Find Local RVA that is doing exactly that, and I think they're doing a really good job. I will link to them in the show notes so you can see what that looks like. A few years ago, Jeff Bennett, Jess Edwards, and I ran a campaign called the Unsung Heroes of Ecosystem Building. Our objective there was to highlight how many ecosystem builders were already doing excellent work around us here in the U.S. and to celebrate them, to really just raise awareness of the work they were already doing all around the U.S. 
knowing what you're trying to achieve by storytelling goes a long way in defining how you want to get there. So, what are you hoping to achieve? What does success look like? Once you have that objective clear in mind, and maybe even on paper, you can chart out a path to get there. That directly leads to number two, your audience. If you know what you're trying to achieve, you will next decide who you're trying to tell these stories to. Your instinct might be everyone. Of course you want every single member of your community to be as excited about the change makers and entrepreneurs as you are. But, you know, realistically, you want to pick a key audience. Our already short attention span is pretty stretched and pulled in a million directions. So you want to be strategic. If, for example, you tell stories with the objective to highlight that there's a severe lack of funding in your ecosystem, are you going to tell those stories just to the general public and hope that someone will feel compelled to do something about it? Or will you specifically tell these stories to a group of philanthropists, small business banks and funders with a definite call to action to help you fix that lack of funding in your ecosystem? For our campaign, The Unsung Heroes of Ecosystem Building, our audience were other ecosystem builders. So we published these articles on a weekly basis. We had different themes that we picked and we spread it out to other ecosystem builders. And we even had a chance to present this campaign at the eShip Summit in 2019, I want to say, where a lot of ecosystem builders were in attendance and were able to see our campaign and learn from it. Knowing your objective and your audience leads directly to your format and channels. If, for example, your audience is the younger generation, like students and, you know, your general Gen Z, you are much more likely to reach them through a funny TikTok than through a 48-page detailed report for download on your website. Going back to the example of funders, they might prefer a detailed 48-page report or a thought-out essay or storytelling series over an Instagram reel. If you're trying to reach policymakers in your city, county, or region, publishing your stories in outlets that they already read is much more likely to garner their attention than, say, for example, a podcast that they've never heard about. As you think about the format and channels, there's a lot to choose from. You could go with very traditional media like ads, TV, radio. You could go into print media like your no local newspaper. You could go into digital media, which is often online magazines and online publications in your community. If you don't want to rely on other outlets, of course, you can build your own. You could start a blog, you could write newsletters, you could use your own social media channels, or you could start a podcast. An often forgotten format is in-person storytelling events, which I agree over the last two and a half years have been kind of hard to pull off, but they might actually come back. And I find these incredibly powerful formats to tell meaningful stories of entrepreneurs in your community and really rally the community around them. To get the most bang for your storytelling bug, I recommend combining different formats across channels. But keep it simple. For this show, for example, obviously we have the podcast conversations, which are audio. I post about them on Instagram and LinkedIn with specific quotes that really stuck with me introducing the new episodes. I write a newsletter every two weeks in which I talk about these conversations and I throw in the occasional tweet. And then, of course, we have the show notes on the website. So those are five different channels for one and the same story. My thinking here is if I'm already creating the storytelling format, 
I want to make sure I spread it on many channels to achieve the greatest possible audience. Side note, if you know someone who should know about this show and who should listen to what we're talking about, do me a favor and share it with them. I think the more people know about this, the more likely we are to make a difference as ecosystem builders. This leads us to number four. When we talked about outreach in the previous summer skills session, I mentioned that consistency is key. I've actually come to believe that everything worthwhile needs to be consistent in order to be effective. But keep it simple. I'll be the first one to tell you that when it comes to storytelling, I can dream really big and I tend to run away with it. Just to notice two weeks in that I have hopelessly overcommitted myself and I find myself making graphics in Canva at 2 a.m. Do not follow my example. Instead, I recommend you start where you are and pick a format that you can produce consistently. Put it into place and start working. With this podcast, for example, I work in seasons. If you host in-person storytelling events, they should have a fixed but recurring schedule. If you write a column, a newsletter or articles, set a goal of maybe one per month or two per month and see how you go. Here's why. If you do a good job telling stories, your audience learns to expect your stories. And if you do this good job for a month and then you fall off the face of the earth for two months because you got really busy, then a lot of your effort is wasted. If you want to start telling stories, start small, but do it consistently. This is much better than doing a splash and then disappearing for some time. Consistency is key. And that leads us to number five, the tone. What kind of stories do you want to tell? I'll make this one easy for you. Tell positive and forward-looking stories. Here's why. You want to keep it real. You don't want to gloss over what's difficult in your ecosystem. You certainly don't want to gloss over any of the obstacles and barriers. It is super important that you put those on the table and call them out for what they are. But don't stay there. If you want to use your stories to move your ecosystem forward... I recommend starting with what's hard, but then building on that and trying to find a way out of the mess into a more positive future. What have people learned from those experiences? What do they wish they had access to in order to move forward as change makers? Take a spin on that story that leaves people feeling hopeful and positive about the future. Focus on gifts and unique assets over the common pitfalls that every entrepreneur has experienced. Unless, of course, you want to have a bitch fest in your storytelling. Then you could just leave it at the bad and the ugly. But I don't recommend it. In A Manifesto for a Moral Revolution, Jacqueline Novogratz says on page 204, the question is which stories will we tell? Those reeking of despair or those imbued with hard-edged hope? The job of the moral leader, which is the job of all of us, is to learn to tell the stories that matters, stories that unite and inspire, reinforcing our individual and collective potential and paint a picture of the future that we can build and inhabit together. Stories that matter are not stories that demean, derise, divide, ridicule, belittle, blame or shame. We must take the harder path of telling stories that hold our truth, both the ugly and the beautiful, while remaining laser-focused on the possible. I love this quote, and that's why I wanted to share it, because I couldn't have said it any better. Before we wrap up for today, I have a few more pieces of general advice. Number one, practice makes perfect. Just start. 
If you want to tell a great story one day, tell 15 or 20 or 50 mediocre ones first. Don't let that stop you. Just start and get the practice in. Another piece of advice is to find role models in your community and start there. If they're role models, they're role models for a reason and they probably have a good story. These will typically be a little bit easier to tell as you start out until you get a hang of it. Number three, think back to your favorite stories about a change maker, entrepreneur, visionary or tinkerer in your community. What about their story inspired you? What about their story made you feel something? And how can you draw that out into the stories that you're trying to tell? If you publish your stories in a written format, please, please, please include visuals and make them shareable. Make sure you have short and simple links. If you embed things, make sure that they're somehow traceable and you can share them that way. Or maybe even include a button to share it on social. If your story is good and you want it to get out there, make sure people have a super easy time sharing it. I said it before and I want to mention this again. Tell it how it is. The good, the bad, the ugly. Always be honest. Never make things look nicer than they really are. You want to call out the status quo, but move on from there and finish on a high note and with a call to action. Which leads me to my last piece of advice. At the end of each story, each Instagram post, podcast interview or written interview, ask yourself, so what? Now that you've told the story, what do you want the listeners, your audience to do as a result? Activate your audience. Invite your community to become part of the story by taking action. Having a call to action at the end of a story is a fantastic way to leverage your story, not just to make people feel good about themselves and their community, but to actually have a tangible way of supporting, be it buying from a local business, be it subscribing to a newsletter, be it sharing the story with someone in their network. Don't let this opportunity pass by. Always think about your call to action. As you can tell, I really enjoy storytelling. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be doing this show. So if you put any of this to work, if you start telling stories in and about your ecosystem, please let me know. I would love to hear how it goes. I have a good feeling that we'll have a full season on the ins and outs of storytelling with some of my favorite storytellers in the next year. For more handy dandy tips and tricks, sign up for Impact Curator my lovingly curated newsletter that hits the inbox of close to 400 systemic thinkers and doers every two weeks. Until next time, thanks for all that you do. I pay my respect to the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live, the Monakan, Shamandasetula, and Manahok people. I recognize their continuing connection to land, water, and community. I pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This episode was produced by Yellow House Media.